Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. They're back. The Bucks Veterans Full Squad reports today over at the Advent Healthcare Center. We've got a lot of Bucks news coming up. Hey, who's got a shot to make the roster or even start that no one seems to be talking about? And any chance that the Bucks add to their secondary? Has the Rays front office given up on the season? And the Rays farm system always seems to have success. Why can't they get the same success at the major league level? We've got your mailbag questions, those and others, answered correctly on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, folks, uh, if you're like me, you know, you're running your air conditioning all the time right now. It's hot outside, and that means your electric bill is climbing maybe over $300, and that's insane. Now, if you want to save 90 to 95% off your electric bill, listen to me now. May Electric Solar, they're a locally owned company, and May Electric Solar is the safest solar available. They don't use high voltage like many other companies. And May Electric Solar has a 25-year warranty on all equipment and labor. They have a full showroom that's open weekdays. You can see their products there. And May Electric Solar has been around for 12 years. They've got a great reputation with their customers and their peers. Now, there's many other solar companies imitating them and trying to use their great name. But remember, they don't use subcontractors, and they don't subcontract for any other company in any other way. So everyone knows it has to be May all the way. So stop the insanity of these out-of-control electric bills and start saving now. Call May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. And if you call right now, you can also receive a 30% tax credit through 2019 by changing to solar energy. Call the real May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. All right, Steve, my life is over. I'm headed to Bucks training camp uh, later today, and I'll be working for the next 10 and a half, 11 months. So uh, we got lots of questions on the Bucks, I'm sure. Hope you kissed Maybe your Bruce- uh, wife and kids goodbye this morning. And- <laughs> I did. I took pictures of them all so I can remember them. Um, you know, we'll see what uh, Bruce Arians is. Yet another coach. Haven't added up how many coaches this is for me, but if I did it, I would say it's in the 10 range, right around 10 head coaches that I have covered. It's unbelievable. It well, really is. I See, I've been in town nine years now. I think it's the fifth. Yeah, it's fifth fifth so, or sixth. Raheem I think, was here since. when I got here, then Shiano, Lovey, mm-hmm. Lovey Dirk, Cutter, and now mm-hmm. Arians. So. Yeah. And that's just since 2009, you know. Of course, prior to that, you had you had the uh, Gruden and Dungey, and you know we we can go all the way back, but we'll we'll try not to. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it, you know eight out of ten years. I, I feel for Bucks fans. You know, before we get started, there was uh, somebody the other day was uh, was bemoaning the fact that the national media, in particular, didn't have much faith in the Bucks. Um, some people, you know, I think SI picked them three and thirteen. Others around, you know, seven and nine wins or set five or seven wins. And I would just say this that, like, you know, I I understand that you know fans are fans, and this is the time of year where I think every team, you know, has the hope that their their team could go to the Super Bowl. This could be the year, right? Remember Philadelphia several years back; they were completely off the radar. Had a young quarterback, uh, you know, nobody expected him to throw thirty three touchdowns, and then we saw. Uh, you know, sort of what Nick Foles did after that. But 
you know, so there is always, you know, generally there's like four or five teams that didn't make the playoffs the previous year that do. Unfortunately for the Bucks, they have been consistently terrible. And, you know, they're going to win between five and seven games most years. And, you know, the outlier is when they have a winning season. Dirk did that his first year. Hasn't been one since. Prior to that, you got to go back to 2010. So, you know, I, I would just say that if you're a Bucks fan, you know, understand the perspective of people outside that, that may not be as in tune with, with uh, you know, the draft and, and Bruce Arians. Everybody knows Bruce Arians around the league. And I think for whatever, you know, optimism there is, Arians is, a, is the biggest part of that, right? And, and the belief that he may be the one to help Jameis, uh, you know, fulfill his promise and, and Todd Bowles and his staff may help the defense uh, get better. But I, I, you know, I feel again. I've always said this. I feel for the fans. They, they deserve better. Um, you know, in their case, I, I hope that uh, you know that Arians is able to deliver. But I, I tend to think that they have a lot of young players on defense, in particular, especially in the secondary. And while they may be better schematically and 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 have better results, I, I think they're probably another year away from really, you know, uh, putting it all together. But Arians has turned around teams right away. He did it in Indianapolis, obviously. He did it in Arizona. So hope springs eternal. What would be a success this year for Arians? I mean, is it a winning record? Is it playoffs? Is it just, well, you know, I mean, if, I they're, think, if they're 6-10 yeah. and 10 but are in every game? Yeah. And, and that, I mean, you know, what do you think is success for him? Well, I, I, I think he would tell you that it's making the postseason. You know, he didn't come here – with the belief that this was a total rebuild. Uh, I don't I don't think you're 66 year old coming out of retirement and leaving your forever home in Georgia um you know for the chance of going 8 and 8. I, I really believe he believes that they can get into the postseason. Now, you know, what what other people, you know, there there's been many times like when Tony Dungy got here everybody said, "Well, you know, if you can go 8 and 8, man, they'll throw you a parade." Well, you know, he went 6 and 10 the first year and then I don't think he had a losing season after that, but he still got fired, and then they won the Super Bowl. So expectations change really quickly. And um, while you know when you've been when you've had back to back five and eleven seasons, is three more wins significant? Well, it is if you're in every game. You know, again, let's see how the games are played. Let's see, you know, if they lose on a last second, you know, bad call in overtime, and it knocks them out of the playoffs, and they go eight and eight. Well, you know, maybe maybe that is progress, but. You know, again, beauty's in the eye of the beholder, and 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 I think I think in the case of Arians, he believes that he can turn it around and they can win nine, ten games, get in the postseason. I don't know how realistic that is this year, but then again, I'm not I'm not Bruce Arians. I've not done this before. He has. He knows what it looks like. He knows what he's looking at in terms of a roster. So you know, I, my thing would be after look, Steve. After they finish last, not not second, third, but last in the NFC South, eight out of the last ten years, you got to start by getting out of the cellar, right? You got to climb upstairs and start going over some of these teams in the NFC South and pushing them behind you. Uh, if you can do that and you can be good in your division, that's the only way you're guaranteed a playoff spot is to win your division. I don't know that they're going to win the division. Um, but if they can, you know, progress to say second place and push for first, then that would be progress. So there's a lot of ways to look at it, but again, a lot of it depends on sort of, you know, tell me how the season goes, you know, did, did they suffer an injury and then the quarterback comes back and plays great and they almost make it, you know, there's, there's extenuating circumstances with every season. All right, well, we'll get to the mailbag questions here and Barrett will lead us off. He says, is this up there on the most excited you've been for a Bucks training camp? <laughs> oh Yeah. Oh, my optimism level. I'm excited, man. 
I'm like an old player in some ways because I'm an old writer, but I, I think that uh, you know I I'm not a uh, not a guy that that really values preseason. Um, I would say this that uh, I don't know if excitement is the word, but there was an awful lot of attention on the Bucks, of course, when Hard Knocks was here a few years ago, and, and John Gruden, God bless him, will get to experience that, and all of us can experience it with him. It's going to be awesome. Um, watching watching the Raiders, but you know that that particular year with Deshaun Jackson coming, um, you know they were coming off a nine and seven season. Uh, I would say that that's probably the most national hype. You know, people were winning. Uh, when I say people, national media that year were picking them not only to win the NFC South, some picking them to win the NFC and go to the Super Bowl. Now we look back on it and we say that was ridiculous. That team wasn't very good, uh, and they weren't. Uh, but you know, they also didn't handle the expectations very well. So, um, you know, excited. I mean, generally a coaching change is there's there's a, a feeling of renewal and, uh, you know, there is a, a freshness to everything. And so I guess that generates its own sort of excitement. Look, I just – I never know what to expect. And um, there's been years, you know, from my standpoint where it's, you know, it's been a surprise. Like the time Cutter went 9-7 and seven and – you know, I would tell you to go back and look at that schedule and see where they won a lot of those games on the road, like in Kansas City and at San Diego, um, with players that you can't even name anymore because they're not in the league. And so that was that was exciting to see a young team achieve something no one expected. Um, there are other years that are exciting for this the god awfulness, you know, Shiano and the you know, in the MRSA and Josh Freeman, uh, you know, in the inactive suite and, and getting released and um, you know, just, just all that went with that. So, um, you never know what to expect. So, you know, this time of year, if, if you're a football fan, you've done this like I have for a number of years, there is, there is a, a sort of a renewal feeling. And I think a new coaching staff kind of makes it fresh because, you know, after a guy's around, you've heard all his lines and, you know, he tends to send, tends to sound stale. Uh, and so, you know, this is the first, our first go around with Bruce Arians, he's very media friendly. He's very fan friendly. He's very honest. He's going to, he's going to write about 12 stories a year for us. So um, from that standpoint, I'm excited to see, you know, just, just how he meets this challenge. All right. Well, speaking of Bruce Arians, Buck North asked, Bruce has always relied on one or two veterans at each position to ensure his message gets across. The one position that's screaming for leadership is cornerback and to a lesser extent, safety. I hope they pick up a veteran cornerback or safety who's familiar with Arians. Any shot at this? Well, there's always a chance. I mean, Bruce has said that, you know, they've always added players late in the process and sometimes as late as the third or fourth preseason game or even after after the cuts. And, and um, you know, they don't have a lot of money. I think they have about $3 million under the salary cap, if that. So you can't do a whole lot with it. Um, now they're going to cut some guys so they could create – they could definitely create more cap room. I, as far as the secondary goes, it just it seems to me like they need to exhaust the players they have here before they they go out and try to add because they've they've added. I mean, you know, you look at um, the fact that last year you drafted um, a year ago you drafted three defensive backs, right, with uh, Carlton Davis and M.J. Stewart, um, Jordan Whitehead. So all three of those guys were rookies, and then this year, you know, you went out and drafted three more, including a safety in Mike Edwards and. Uh, in that. So, you know, from, from that standpoint, is there room for a veteran? Well, first you got to see if Vernon Hargraves, who is your veteran, even though he's only in his, in, you know, in his uh, fourth year, 
Um, if he's going to be, you know, what you hoped he would be when you drafted him in the first round a number of years ago. Now he's he's been hurt. He missed really parts or all of two years of the four years that he's played. But he's in a different system. He's going to play man press coverage, which which should suit him better. Um, so from that standpoint, uh, you know, I think they're optimistic about what they got. And then these young guys. I mean, the problem with bringing in veterans is you you block the path of other guys. Right, you block the path of Mike Edwards. Say you brought in a safety, or you block, um, you know, you know the path of uh, Sean, uh, M- you know, Murphy Bunting, and and that sort of thing. So, I I think that uh, if you see it, it'll probably be out of uh, out of an injury, something like that. Don't forget, even though he's listed as a linebacker, um, you know, Buchanan, who came, who played in Arizona uh, for for Bruce, is a guy that. Uh, also, is kind of like a hybrid safety well, when they take a linebacker out and they put him in in a nickel situation. So there are some guys that uh, have played in the system under Bruce, and so they can provide some of that veteran leadership, especially with their familiarity with the system. Uh, Todd Bowles has has some of those guys. And, you know, uh, not in the secondary, but in Domicon Sue is a player with the great resume that's, you know, is the, while he hasn't played for Arians, he's here uh, – as a guy that's very been very successful in this type of defense in the three four, very multiple, he can move all over the field. He's going to be a big uh, asset, I think, uh, to Vita Vea. So they have some veterans, but I, I would agree with you that it's not an experienced group in the secondary. And even those guys like Vernon Hargraves, who is you know maybe more their senior, more members, uh, really hasn't played a lot of football, you know, because he's been injured and he's got his own sort of uh, expectations to overcome. So. Uh, I don't see Patrick Peterson. I don't see, you know, Tyrone Matthew obviously went to Kansas City. So those those guys are out. So I'm not sure that'll happen, at least initially. All right. Ellis asks, should the Bucks look into bringing back Mason Foster, who was recently released by the Redskins? You know, I, it's a it's a great question. Uh, Mason was uh, has been a really good player in this league. Um, you know, he's he's reliable. He he's rarely injured. Um, he's an inside linebacker though. And in a three, four, I'm not exactly sure, you know, where he would fit. Um, they don't have a lot of depth, I guess you could say maybe behind their current Mike linebacker, which is Devin white. Although they, I'm sure they don't go into the season thinking that he can't start 16 games at his age. Um, but injuries do happen. So, um, you know, we know Jack Cishi, uh, who's a linebacker is going to start the year on non-football injury list coming off another knee injury that he, also had a knee injury, you know, back in uh, at Wisconsin. Um, you know, Levante David is is an outside linebacker, you know, and and uh, so you know there, there's a potential there that that you could add some depth to that position. But as far as Foster, just you know, this is not the same regime that drafted Mason Foster. You know, that was under Mark Dominic and and others, and he's a 30 year old player now, so he would require a certain amount of compensation. Uh, I don't know the reasons why the Redskins uh, released him, let alone waited until, you know, essentially the eve of reporting date to do it. There might be something um, that we're not aware of off the field there. So, um, you know, again, he's just one of the many players they'll look at if if they have an injury, um, you know, if they don't like what they're seeing behind, uh, you know, behind Devin White and some others. Uh, they, You know, he's certainly, he's certainly a guy that I think – if everything checks out on him off the field and physically that uh, some team will probably pick up. I don't, I don't know if it would be the Bucks, but certainly they know a lot about him as an organization. Ken asks, 
Who has a shot to make the roster, carve out a role, or even start that no one seems to be talking about? Okay, so I don't know if people are talking about these guys, uh, but they're they're late-round picks, and so I'll talk about them now because I think both of them uh, have a really good chance to make the team. I'll, I'll start with a seventh-round pick. You rarely see seventh-round picks. This guy was picked in the eighth round, in, or eighth overall in the, in the seventh round, that is. And it's Terry Beckner, Jr. He's a defensive tackle from Missouri, big guy. He was coming out of high school. This guy may have been the best player in the nation, right? Um, he ended up at Missouri. He had a couple of knee injuries, um, but he's extremely strong. Uh, you know, just depending on on sort of how healthy he is and and how he progresses, uh, they have a need obviously for interior defensive linemen. So uh, you know, next to Sue, next to Vea, really, what's behind them? Not a lot. Plus, I love the name, man, Terry Beckner Jr. I like guys named Junior. You know what I mean? Like Gruden would say, like Junior Griffey was my favorite player, man. Wore his hat on backwards. I wonder if Beckner could wear his helmet on backwards, man. Wouldn't that be something you wouldn't know whether he's facing you, running away? I like to think about things like that, man. So we got him. We got uh, and then and people are talking about this guy round six. So think about that: sixth and seventh round guys making this football team. How about Scotty Miller? Not Scott Miller. Scotty Miller. From Bowling Green, um, he's going to wear number ten. He's a white receiver. You might see him in the slot, but not very much. He plays outside mostly, so everybody will think he's Adam Humphreys 2.0. But he's actually uh, more of a Deshaun Jackson type in that, you know, in in Bruce Arians' offense, I think if you play in the slot, you're you're going to be blocking down on linebackers in the running game and doing different things like that. So they want a bigger body in there. So uh, I don't I don't know that you'll see Miller inside much like you saw Humphreys who's a little more of a stout guy than Miller, but Miller can fly. And I think you'll see him in uh, punt returns, kickoff returns, that sort of thing. Uh, and he can absolutely get behind the defense uh, like a Deshaun Jackson can. He has that kind of speed. So I I really like – and their receivers are very, very good. They're deep. You know, obviously, Brashad Perryman, you know, you add him to Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and, you know, Justin Watson's coming back uh, for his second year. So they have a lot of receivers. Even Bobo Wilson's still on the roster – but this Scott Miller's going to make it. And then Terry Beckner Jr., man. Keep an eye on that guy. All right, Ren asks, how much do you think the probable suspension of Ryan Smith affected day two of the Buccaneers draft this year? That's a great question. And now that we know the rest of the story, um, it turns out, uh, I'm not sure um, where, where I found this out because it's been a while ago. Um, you know, the way these things work is when you when you are tested uh, and you test positive for something like PEDs, there's an appeal appeals process that that takes a while. OK, um, just as a matter of almost, you know, formula, because you know, you're staring at a four game suspension without pay, um, which is a devastating thing for any player, content, considering the length of their of their careers. And also, if you're Ryan Smith, you're not a starting, you know, you're not a starter. Um, so you're battling for a roster spot to begin with. So from my information, uh, I believe that uh, he was probably informed of this uh, somewhere, you know, in the spring, March, April, that 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 kind of time. Now, you know, whether, at what point they they notified the Bucks, or you know, simply he was a process he was going through with the league. I don't know. I don't think it's a coincidence, in my opinion, that that they you know went heavy after defensive backs. There's a possibility that you know maybe they got one more in, in the event that that Ryan wasn't going to be with them for four games, and then when he comes back, 
you know, we've seen players come back off of long suspensions. They're not really ready to play, even though they've been through training camp. I mean, a month is a long time. You're actually away from the team for almost five weeks. So, um, you know, I think it's a pretty safe bet that there was some influence. Now, you know, the draft has to fall, right? You know, they may have had other players um, that they liked better than the DBs they chose, but those players came off the board one pick ahead of them. You know, maybe they maybe it was another defensive tackle or a rush end or something like that, um, or a running back. So you just don't know, sort of like what was what they were staring at in terms of what was on the board when when they when they picked. But it, it, it's not coincidental um, if you look at this defense that gave up 29 points a game a year ago. The the, the weakness of this defense was their secondary and. Um, you know, not that not that the defensive line was very good, and in, in fact, three of the top, you know, four rushers on that on that team a year ago aren't even with the team anymore. So, um, but I think that uh, they needed to improve the secondary, and 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 if they did find out that Ryan Smith wasn't going to be available, that certainly would uh, would even put the bar you know a little higher in terms of you know, the urgency to to get guys at that position. Okay, on an uplifting note, John yeah. asked, "Educate me, please." Did the Bucks do anything in the offseason to upgrade their porous offensive line? Anything to upgrade their feckless running game? No, you say? As Sam Weish might say, we're looking at 3-13. Cellar dwellers once again. <laughs> wow. Well, first of all, Sam Sam Weich never said 3 day. He said 5. He said 4-2 or 5-2, I believe they were at the time, before they collapsed and won one more game. Um, feckless is one of the best words, I think, in the English dictionary. <laughs> Um, I don't even remember. How did he phrase this question again? Read this back to me. Because this was like snarky. Is I, I can appreciate snark, and this well, one was really snarky. He's looking for hope, I believe. But he said, educate yeah. me, please. Did the oh, Bucks, okay, that was the word. Yeah, did the Bucks do anything in the offseason to upgrade their porous offensive line? Anything to upgrade their feckless running game? No, you say? Sam Weish would say we're looking at 3-13, cellar dwellers once again. So he answered. he answered for me. So I got to uh, edumacate you. Well, I think he's looking uh, for you know why should it not? Why, why would you say they won't finish three and thirteen? I can't give you a great reason. I mean, I I, I think because the biggest reason is few teams win only three games. I mean, I say the last two between, years they've won five. Yeah, they win. They win between five and seven, and you just went all in on a whole new coaching staff. So they should be. They should do a little better than that, even though the schedule didn't help them. Look, I I, I agree that. Um, most people that that look at their running back situation aren't enamored with it, <laughs> to put it mildly. That said, you know, I think a lot of that was on the offensive line too. And you know, all I know is Bruce Arians has paid tremendous lip service to Peyton Barber, how much he loves him. You know, Peyton is a serviceable running back. I think he was 19th in the league in rushing, which isn't very good. Uh, he had a little over 800 yards, and I think he averaged. Uh, probably just under four yards of carry. I mean, the Bucks were last, okay, last in rushing the football last year, 32nd. You never want to be there. Um, you can't be there and expect to win. Part of that is a function of being behind all the time. You know, when you're behind in the third and fourth quarter, you're going to abandon the running game because you're down by more than two scores and you got to throw all the time. So, you know, the opportunities, you need, to, you need to be able to run the football, which means you got you got to play defense. So a better defense, you're in the game. You don't have to abandon the running game. All that plays into it, uh, you know. And the big hope, quite frankly, in the running game, and the Bucks are just kind of going all in on this guy, and and that's Ronald Jones. I mean, 
you know, Ronald Jones, they drafted in the second round a year ago. He was barely 21 when he got here. Um, we've, we've talked about this. We've documented it that, uh, you know, I don't think he was mature from a, from a football playing standpoint, um, maybe even personally, uh, understanding that, um, you know, it's not like, you know, you put away your letter sweater when you come to the NFL. It doesn't really matter where you were picked other than if they have a big investment in you like the Bucks do. They're going to they're gonna give you every opportunity, but they're looking to play the best players, right? And so they want you to show them something. They want you to be productive in, in practice. They want you to be productive in training, in, in preseason games. He was neither. Uh, and so, you know, there wasn't a lot of confidence going in. He had a big learning curve in terms of, you know, running routes, catching the ball, blocking. I think he only had 32 balls, you know, caught at USC in the years that he was there. The the irony is, is and I talked to Dirk Cutter about this after he was fired um, even, was that, you know, Ronald Jones progressed a lot as a receiver. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Receiver in practice, and he he got to where he understood, you know, where to block and um, got better at it and, and, and worked really hard on those areas of his game that weren't very good coming in. The odd thing is, is that what he did best, which was run the ball, he was he he just wasn't very good at. Now, you know, he had 44 yards, I think 23, 24 carries, something like that. On half of those, the man was hit behind the line of scrimmage. So you can't really, you know, and does that happen in games? Yes. But, but you know, I think he lost confidence initially. And then according to Cutter, the worst thing was the team lost confidence in him. And when that happens, you're in a position where you're just not going to play him very much. So, um, you know, Ronald Jones has worked really hard. We know he's worked hard in the weight room. He's put on a lot of weight. He's gone from 208, I think, to 221. Uh, hopefully, uh, uh, you know, that doesn't change his speed because it's his explosiveness that they that they value. Um, so, you know, by all accounts, and maybe it's just them trying to sell fan base or sell themselves on him, they say he's had a tremendous offseason, looked really good in OTAs and all of that. To me, he's their big hope at running back. There's a lot of guys can run the football. I mean, we see it. We see it all the time. Bruce Anderson, uh, who's a rookie that they got, you know, from uh, North Dakota State, is another guy I think that's going to be in the mix. Um, you know, you have Dare uh, Agumbawale, who you know is probably going to return kickoffs for him. They really like him on special teams. He's more of a pounder. But if you're looking for explosive runs, if you're looking for a reason to think this running game is going to go you got to look at Ronald Jones and say, you know, we kind of know what we have in Peyton Barber. You know, he's kind of a grinder. Um, he's going to get you positive yards. He's going to run inside. He doesn't have great speed, so if he gets to the second level, he's probably not going to the house. Um, but he's a functional runner, and he can catch the ball, and those, he can do those sort of things. But your hope is, is Ronald Jones. As far as the offensive line goes, I would agree that they did very little to address it. And sometimes you can't address everything, right? We mentioned the defense was the biggest problem. They're going to hope to develop some players, right? they got to develop Alex Kappa and see if he can play right guard. Um, they have to see if they can get another year out of DeMar Dotson, who hasn't finished the season, I think, in the last few years. 
Um, he's he's had some injuries. Um, Caleb Beninocht is going to go to right tackle exclusively. They got to see if Caleb Beninocht is, is can develop at right tackle. Um, you know, and so you know they have Earl Watson, who's a you know a serviceable veteran guard that, that that could play guard and may may win the job if if Alex Kappa can't do it. I think the left side of their offensive line they're happy with with Donovan Smith and Ali Marpet. I think they expect Ryan Jensen to play better than he did last year. Um, but it is it's on it's on the offensive line and it's on Ronald Jones to to make those fears go away. And um I don't know that you pencil him in for three or thirteen, but you know Look, these guys, they, they made these decisions in the offseason. They have to live with them now. You know, could there be other running backs come available? The running back, I still maintain, is one of the easier positions to, to, to fill. There's only a couple guys that are special. There's not a lot of Saquon Barkleys and guys that are going to wear gold jackets walking around out there. Um, so, you know, they, they, they definitely could, could find somebody. But uh, these are the guys they're going with. So I, th- I, think, that, uh, I think they're confident in them and will know – I think we'll know right away whether Ronald Jones has sort of turned a corner because, to me, special players at that position, they show up right away. And it's unusual for a running back to not have some success early on. Um, but, again, he didn't get a lot of opportunities. I mean, you know, 24, 20, 25 carries, whatever it was, just isn't a big enough sample size to know what you have. All right, we'll move on to the Rays now. And our good friend Rootin' for UF asked, why does Matt Duffy have pine tar all over his helmet in his first game of the season? It's <laughs> a great question. I, you know what? Um, maybe he, um, you know, it's one of those. It's one of those commercials you could do. Uh, I think they did this with a receiver one time that had sticky hands or whatever. That you know, where everything he touches, you know, just sticks to him. I mean, if you use that much pine tar, right, to wear your helmet, you must be putting it up there so that you can touch your helmet and. Since you're not allowed to go to the pine tar during an at bat, right? Mm-hmm. Unless you break a bat, and sometimes they don't want you to do it then. That I think guys, you know, deliberately put a bunch up on their helmet so they can just touch their helmet, get it on their hands, then put it on the bat, and and they re- they keep their grip that way. I can only assume that that is you know a helmet he's used for a good a good length of time, um, which is accumulated. If you know anything about pine tar, it's sort of layers, right? So it's like you know. Start with a little bit, and then before you know it, you know, you've got about an inch of it caked on that helmet. So I don't know. I guess he didn't go for a new helmet this year, or if he did, he's, 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 he's tarred it up really well. Um, Can we get Daniel I, Robertson to use some pine tar? Yeah, right? That would be a good idea. <laughs> you also see these guys where, um, you know, depending on where they had their bat, you ever see these guys with their uniform, like right on their, on their shoulder, uh, wherever they hold the bat, mm-hmm. like there's always this big pine tar stain, yep. you know, all the, going all the way. I mean that that shows you right there. There's a there's a guy who uses a lot of pine tar, right? You like to do his laundry every day, or the one that's got the spot under their hat on the pitchers. Da-da, now you're getting into <laughs> now you're getting in inside baseball there now. Now now we're getting into the cheating level. Look, I, if I'm a hitter, I want the pitcher to use pine tar. You know why? Because I don't want a 98 mile an hour fastball slipping out of his hand and going into my head. I'm fine if he can control that ball within reason. Mm-hmm. That's true. You know, I want to be able to see the ball. I don't want it to turn black because he's got pine tar all over it. But I'm just saying, like, it's okay with me if he grips it well. <laughs> you know? All right. Anthony asks, you got to wonder if the Tampa Bay Rays don't make the playoffs. The manager must pay the price. Do you agree? Disagree. Um, I think they love Kevin Cash. They just signed him to a big contract extension. I mean, 
look, a year ago, I, I thought this team would lose 100 games and they won 90. This year, because they won 90, everybody thought they would win 100 or, or somewhere between 90 and 100, and they started out like 14 and 3. And since then, they've been a 500 team. Got a lot of young players on this baseball team, man, and a lot of injuries. And, and you know, a team like the Yankees can overcome all their injuries just because they were they were better. Some of their players were more established. Um, they've had some some surprises as well, but you know the Rays have have struggled trying to do that. I mean, we knew that offensively they were going to be challenged. Um, you know, we knew the bullpen was an issue. They've had injuries there with Alvarado. You know, uh, Meadows was was as hot as any player in baseball, an All Star. Uh, he missed a couple of two three weeks. I mean, they they just haven't really been able to stay together and then the usual ebbs and flows of a season have caught them with some slumps and things like that um you know i i don't think kevin cash is responsible um beyond you know whatever help he may have making the lineup card and deciding when to take out pitchers now i would say to you the other night i thought you know when he took out the starter a little too soon that that may have cost them, you know, so, so there is, there is a, a game to game responsibility with respect to Kevin. And I think that's the hardest thing to do is know, you know, when to go to the matchups, but with the Rays, they're all about matchups. So even that's somewhat predetermined, right? How many pitches a guy's going to go third time through the order, you're going to let him go against certain hitters. And so they even map that out. But I, I, I mean, you know, what was it? It seems like, you know, two, three weeks ago we were talking about Kevin Cash could be manager of the year, and now all of a sudden we're getting questions about whether he should pay the price. Managers ultimately always pay the price, but, uh, you know, they're still in the race. We've got, you know, 50, 49, 50 games to go. It's uh, It depends. Now, you know, if they if they lose, you know, 29 out of 32 – yeah, you might you might want to look at that depending on how it goes. And they're in a heck of a tailspin right now. They're worst of the year. But I can't think of many moves that Kevin Cash could have made or did make um, that would lead you to think he should be fired. Yeah, with the amount of injuries they've had, and a lot of people have talked about the Yankees' injuries, and, and granted they've overcome them and done very well, but I believe the yeah. Rays have had 21 players on the disabled list this year. That's a, I mean, that's a lot for a baseball team, especially one that's not as deep, you know, that, that that needs every guy like the Rays. That's really tough. Good thing they have guys that can play multiple positions too, mm-hmm. you know, because they've had to get by. I mean, just look at what they have right now. I mean, you know, Brand, uh, uh, you know, Brandon Lau is has been out now for a while after mm-hmm. fouling a ball off his shin. Um, he was one of their top hitters. He, that guy was on pace to hit thirty home runs. We talked to Neil Solons. He goes, you got nobody you could say is having a career year. You got nobody that you can say is going to hit 30 home runs. You look at the Yankees, they have two or three guys that could hit 30. You know, they got two guys with 75-plus RBIs, so, or Boston does, rather. So, you know, it's, um, you know, it's really not the same thing. And, um, you know, I, I think the injuries have taken their toll, and I think a lot of guys are, you know, whether you're Austin Meadows, some of these guys are really – uh, going through it, you know, for the first full season, you know, Yandy Diaz and, and others, they're starting to, you know, starting to wear down physically and mentally. I mean, you know, when you're, you know, you're counting on to, to be a starter and in the lineup every day, that's a different role than what some of these guys are used to. And so injuries play a part of that. I, I just don't see what Kevin Cash could have done, you know, short of banging his fist harder on Eric Neander's door and asking for more players. Um, 
I, I don't know. I don't know what he could have done better. I, th- I think he's done a great job, actually. Yeah, I mean, from the beginning of the year, when they started with the two openers, you know, it was going to be the three starters, Glasnow, right. Schnell, and, and Morton, and, and the two openers. And that was because of Brent Honeywell, Anthony Bonda, Jose De Leon. That's right. All those guys were having Tommy John. Mm-hmm. That, you know, they weren't available, which was part of the plans for this season. So right. we said all along, if, if any of those starters go down for any length of time, they're in trouble. Well, Glasnow's been Glassnow, out for a long time. And he right. may not picture be back. the Pitcher of the month in, uh, in April – um, I know they play one day in March, but pitcher of the month in April, uh, leading the, I think, the American League in, in ERA, and then you had Snell behind him, and then Charlie Morton is your number three. Now, Charlie Morton, you know, obviously has been lights out. Snell had some hiccups, but he's still a Cy Young Award winner and starting to pitch better. Glass, the glass now injury, if you could take one injury back, right, just one, I think you'd take that one. Absolutely. I think that, I think that affected everything. I think it, it made your bullpen weaker because you were covering yep. more innings now to your bullpen. Yep. Um, yep. You know, he was going deeper into games. And, yeah, I mean, you know, Austin Meadows being out hurt. Brendan Lau being out now hurts. Kevin Kiermeyer defensively is hurting being out now. But, sure, yeah, the injury to Glass now has been the biggest one of the year. Yep. That's how you go from 14-3 and three to 500 pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. AJ asks, are we sure this isn't a stealth tank and that Stu Sternberg is going to sell off assets at the deadlines because reasons? And rooting for UF, I'd also asked, has the front office given up on this race season? Well, I don't think they've given up on it because that would be foolish. So there's still two games behind Oakland for the final wild card spot, three behind uh, the Cleveland Indians who seem to be ascending and may win that division, actually, the way it's going with Minnesota right now. So they're not out of it. So I don't think you give up on the season. I will say that, you know, since there hasn't been a lot of deals made, um, you know, and I, I know, you know, going back a few weeks ago, uh, you know, you had the Yankees obviously get Edwin Encarnacion and, um, and things like that. And, and, and the Rays were in for that. But, I mean, there's, I think there's a number of teams and a number of players that will be dealt on or around July 31st, the, the trade deadline. And I think that's because there are teams trying to decide, frankly – if they're going to if they have a chance to be in it like take San Francisco I think San Francisco I think the Giants won something like 17 out of 20 games they were buried you know a couple of weeks ago now all of a sudden in Bruce Bochy's last year there could be some sentiment out there that you know what we were going to be sellers I mean we we talked about you know Madison Bumgarner and different guys you know what maybe we'll keep the band together and see if we can't send Bochy off the right way so teams are trying to figure out if they're in it or out of it if they're adding or subtracting I think the Rays are in the same place and let's face it um, you know, it's important how they played this month and how they finished the month because if they fall further and further back, how many assets are you gonna are you gonna mortgage to rent a a bat or a, or a closer potentially, or if you can't control a guy from one a year or two, um, you know, to to try to push for what seems to be at best a wild card, right? I mean, the division you have to concede at this point. They they don't play the Yankees anymore except for like two more games. Your big concern now is getting run down by the Red Sox. You're going to be third in the American League East here pretty quickly. Uh, so what are your realistic chances? Are you just looking at a one-game play-in situation? And how much do you give up to get to that coveted position? So, um, you know, it's been important. They haven't they haven't played well at the right time. This is a bad time for them to go into a, into a tailspin. And I think it'll affect, you know, sort of how much interest the Rays front office will have in, in, uh, in using assets like, uh, you know, 
guys in the minor leagues that the prospects that they have to try to add to the major league team. I, I, I don't know that they've given up, but I do think that they're watching closely and it takes two to tango. And, and really there's no deals. I, I think most of the deals will be made, like I said, on or around the 31st deadline. Okay. Less ask. Rick, the Rays farm system seems to have all this success, but it never seems to translate to the majors. They haven't been in the ALCS since 08. Why can't we get the same results at the big league level as we do at the minor league level? Is it coaching or something else? Well, look, until a, a few years ago, I, their, their minor leagues uh, were depleted of prospects. I mean, we, we can document outside of Kevin Kiermaier, um, you know, how many how many position players were drafted and developed and, you know, and progressed to the major leagues. Um, and so, but now they've, they've used, you know, the assets they got from trading some of those or, you know, getting rid of some of those pitch, trading some of those pitches they couldn't resign like David Price, like others. And I think they've begun now. You're starting to see guys come up and be successful at the major league level. They're just very young players. Um, you know, we, we talked about, you know, the Chris Archer deal with Tyler Glass now and, and Austin Meadows. That's not their guys. They didn't play in their minor league system, but they're certainly young players now adding to the big league roster. But look at what's on the farm. I mean, we talked to Neil Solons the other day, the number one prospect in baseball, Wander Franco, um, you know, is uh, – is tearing it up and he and he's already at 18 years old advanced to class a charlotte and and thinks that he has a chance to compete to make a big league roster next year now whether he does at 19 or not who knows um but there are a lot of you know their minor leagues right now the way it's it's constituted are generally considered one of the better one of the better minor uh, systems in baseball one of the better organizations in baseball so it takes time this isn't in the nfl where you draft a guy and you know and he starts on sunday um, you know, these, these are young kids that, that have to learn how to play and, and go through the steps to get to the major leagues. But um, in the meantime, I think the fact that they're winning championships down there shows you that the future is bright for these guys. And when they get up here, uh, it's likely that they'll win here too. So uh, it's just a different game. I mean, look, these are the greatest players in the world, right? And you're dealing with, you're dealing with all-star type caliber teams like the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Houston Astros and others that you're competing against night in and night out. And the Rays, you know, quite frankly, I mean, what was a year or so ago, everybody thought they were just tanking, right? That they were, they were going to lose a hundred and they were going to, you know, uh, sell off every player they have and, and uh, you know, just, just go that route. And here they are two years in a row now with an opportunity to win 90 plus games. So uh, I would be, I would be patient. I would be bullish on the Rays because I think that uh, everybody sees what they have coming up behind them. Well, and I think 90 wins last year was a success. I mean, you didn't make the it's playoffs. Huge success. And, and the year huge. prior, you would have with 90 wins. But, you know, That's with right. that young team and those players, it's and them being 10 games above 500 right now is a success as well. It is. Um, it they're is. Struggling, they're struggling right now, and, and you hope they get that turned around. But, sure. you know, I think it is translating up here. Have you made the Absolutely. ALCS again yet? No, not yet. And hopefully you will soon. But Right. Shouting into the void asked, has St. Pete acknowledged the attendance issue and offered any solutions or comment other than we have a contract, you are locked in? I don't think it's really St. Pete's job to the city's job to to hype attendance. I think that's sort of up to the Rays. Uh, you know, they have a lease. Uh, you know, they provide the building. They provide certain services and, and opportunities for the Rays. I don't know what the city can do to help with attendance. I mean, short of public transportation, something like that. Um, I've had people, you know, contact me and say, you know, 
why can't the Rays and or the city or some combination thereof, you know, I live in Newport Ritchie, you know, or I live in, um, you know, Dunedin, and, and I would go to the games if I only had a way there, you know, that sort of thing. So, I mean, there is there is some, obviously some responsibility um, and a vested interest in, in the Rays' success if you're in the city of St. Petersburg, but the Rays have made it clear they don't want to be there. Um, you know, I don't know how more plainly they can say it. Now they're under, they're under, you know, lease until what, 2027. Uh, but now they've floated this idea and are meeting with the mayor about going to Montreal and playing half of the season there. So if you're the city of St. Petersburg, I mean, what are you going to do to help attendance with a franchise that only wants to play here until, you know, till the end of May? I mean, I, I think the city's in a difficult position because, you know, they, they have development rights to that trop. Tropicana Field area that's very valuable. Um, the Rays would share in that if they did it now. Uh, uh, you know, it, this is a politics and sports make for some strange bedfellows sometimes. But I always say this that, you know, it's up to the franchise to, you know, sort of decide, you know, what, what they can do. And I, I think what they do is they put on a winning product. And I think the Rays have done that. All the other, all the other factors, as far as, you know, has the city been negligent in in some areas that's preventing people from coming to the trop i don't know you know the rays have put money in that building um it is where it is right um some would argue it should be on the other side of the bay some would argue it should be next to the bay in st petersburg i mean you can put it anywhere um but the city's not moving and so yeah i that's a delicate one for me um you know they signed the lease they agreed to play there uh I think the city is is upheld what its side of the bargain is, and you know the Rays have been trying to make it work and just can't. So at some point, they're either going to leave, uh, break the lease in some ways, pay all kinds of uh, you know fees or or you know losses, and there'll be lawsuits and all kinds of things, or they'll just simply play out to 2027 and and then move on somewhere else, or that this Montreal idea will actually take flight and the city will then negotiate with them. I mean, the city allowed, remember this too, the city, in terms of addressing the, the attendance problem, they allowed the Rays to talk to Hillsborough County. I mean, that's a, you know, that's a fairly big thing for the investment that the city has in the Rays to say, you know what, we're going to let you go talk to our friends across the Bay. And if you can work out a deal there, maybe you can come back here and we'll work something out here. Um, so I don't know what else they could have done at this point. It is what it is, and, and, you know, I know they met with the mayor and, and on this Montreal plan. We'll see if that's even something remotely that the city would entertain. I don't believe it is. All right, we got a college football question, and we'll end on that one. Les says, Rick, the Gators win 11 games this year, including a New Year's Six Bowl. Am I wrong? 11 games, including, so they go, so they go win 10 games. Be eleven I'm and assuming, two, assuming they don't make the SEC I'm, championship. Game. I'm assuming you don't make the SEC championship game. So eleven and two. I think it's close to that. I mean, I think I think that's possible. I mean, I do. I, I you know, I mean, LSU is going to be a tough out. Obviously, um, they're always very very good. There could be another when Kentucky beat them last year. I don't think Kentucky's. You're, yeah, you're expected. at LSU. You've got Georgia. Yeah, I mean, Georgia's a game that's going to determine, I think, their side of the of the SEC, and I don't see them beating Georgia. So that could they get a, yeah, a, le, a, a 10 wins, 11 wins, could they get a New Year's Day? Well, I mean, assuming they beat Miami, that's a nice win against a, a name opponent at least. 
I mean, they I'm won a New York Six Bowl last year. Yeah, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. Um, I think Dan Mullen's got it going. I think Felipe Franks and you know, in 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 uh, you know coming back in his familiarity with the offense and his confidence is going to be pretty high. That defense is still really really good. I'm I'm going to say yeah. I'm bullish. I'm bullish. That's probably not the right word for USF fans, but I'm bullish on the Gators. Um, I think the Gators are going to have their best year in in quite some time. Now, remember, you know, Jim McElwain won 10 games a couple times and made it to the SEC title game and that sort of thing um, to get demolished. But I but I really do believe that Mullen's got it headed the right way, and I think this will uh, be a big year for them. All right, some really good questions in our mailbag segment. You don't have to wait for a mailbag. You can ask us questions anytime you want to just reach us on Twitter at SportsDayTB. You can always reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. It all starts the Bucks report to training camp, full squad. Workouts are Friday at 4 o'clock. We're going to talk today at around noon, around lunchtime, to Bruce Arians, the Bucks head coach, and then later in the afternoon, quarterback Jameis Winston and first-round pick linebacker Devin White will be available. So you can check all of that out on tampabay.com. We'll have that all for you uh, as well on Friday. The Rays, meanwhile, begin their series at Toronto against the uh, Blue Jays, so we'll see if they have a little more luck uh, against uh, that ball club. Remember, too, uh, I I know it's hot out there. You're using your air conditioning all the time. I'm going to help you with your electric bill. Folks, switch to solar energy. If you want to save 90 to 95% off your electric bill, call our friends at May Electric Solar. They're one of the best solar companies around. They've been in business for a lot of time. They don't use subcontractors. And uh, you're going to be happy uh, with them. And if you if you do so right now and you switch to solar energy, you can get a 30% tax credit. That's right, through 2019 just for switching to solar energy. So call the real May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.